0: Hello, thank you for joining LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN. I'm here today with Alexis Rome, a curriculum development specialist, to discuss how to handle several different regulatory changes nurse leaders are navigating through right now. Welcome, Alexis.
1: Thanks for having me, Amy.
0: Alexis, there's so many regulatory changes facility leaders are processing right now, including the changes made to Appendix PP guidance to surveyors in October of last year, and the announcement of the Enhanced Enforcements for Infection Control Deficiencies, released by CMS in March of this year. But it doesn't stop there. Significant changes are happening to the MDS this October, And the PPS proposed rule that dropped in April also contains significant changes to the SNF VBP and SNF QRP programs. I know our listeners are probably feeling overwhelmed. So where do they begin? Well,
1: I really appreciate this question because it gives me the chance to reassure everyone listening that they are not alone and that feeling overwhelmed is perfectly normal right now. There is a lot going on that you just mentioned. The packing team is here for you, and we will do everything we can to help you. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to support you through all of these changes. I'm one of these people that takes my moment to freak out, and then it's time to get to work. And the first thing I do is set priorities, because the reality is there is only so much time in the day and it doesn't do any good to spread everything so thin that you can't make any meaningful progress. I remind myself that if everything is important, then nothing is important. I also delegate what I can or ask for help from others with the knowledge to break down the changes and give me guidance. For example, if I was a DNS and hadn't fully tackled the changes in Appendix PP that impacted nursing operations, that would be my priority and I would delay getting into the weeds of the proposed rule for now, but still read the information contained in the impact and white paper, which we will link under additional resources in the description section of this podcast. That would let me focus on regulatory compliance, which matters today, but also know that a final rule will very likely include changes to the SNF VBP and SNF QRP program that will need to be addressed in clinical operations. As far as changes in the proposed rule, whatever changes are actually adopted in the final rule by CMS, a PACIN's QM Survival Guide will be updated, and that's an excellent resource to break down all the QMs, including what's in the SNF VBP and SNF QRP.
0: I really appreciate that example. What are your thoughts about the changes to the MDS and how the DNS needs to be involved in preparing for this?
1: Well, first, I would stress to the DNS listeners that the changes to the MDS that will be effective this October go beyond coding. The DNS needs to be actively involved in planning the process changes that will be necessary to assess residents and ensure those assessment findings are documented in the medical record so that the NAC has all the information needed to code the MDS accurately, but also completely. Uh, Process changes, policy changes, and education will all be necessary. So it's a must that the DNS be actively involved. The draft of the updated RAI User's Manual, which is the authoritative source of instructions on completing the MDS, was released April 3rd. APACAN is offering a lot of education as well as tools to help the nurse assessment coordinator, but also the DNS and other nurse leaders in clinical operations so that everyone in the SNF can work together and be ready by October. APACAN recently hosted a webinar on the MDS changes in May and we'll include the link to the on-demand version of the webinar in the podcast description in case you missed it. One of the things that DNS can do now, though, is talk to the NAC about any problems they see with current assessments, meaning those assessments that the nurses perform on the residents, such as skilled residents, and then the documentation of that information. If there are problems, now is the time to do a root cause analysis and figure out why and then take corrective action. A link to an article on improving assessments and documentation will be provided in the additional resource section of the podcast.
0: Thank you for that. I want to go back to survey compliance because you mentioned in the beginning that would be a priority for the DNS right now. It has come to my attention that some facilities are paying extremely high civil money penalties or CMPs and others are sharing that they are very concerned about the potential of high CMPs interfering with their ability to operate. Given the increased cost to operate a SNF, I understand they must avoid CMPs and to do this, they need to have a good survey. What advice can you give our listeners to help them with compliance to avoid CMPs? Well, I think
1: long gone are the days when a mock survey was sufficient to get ready for survey. Not that a mock survey is a bad thing or a waste of time, but it's also not enough. The mindset has to be survey compliance 365 days a year instead of trying to fix non-compliance right before you expect survey. Now, for some, this really is a paradigm shift but it's necessary because the acuity of residents cared for in SNFs has only become more intense and this can make compliance a challenge. Also, the regulations themselves continue to be more stringent. These things alone demand solid processes that consistently produce the desired results of quality care and compliance to avoid deficiencies that have a CMP associated with them. It sounds simple when I say regulatory compliance has to be ingrained in operations, but in reality, it requires a very intentional and planned approach.
0: Alexis, you mentioned processes that consistently produce desired results. Can you give us an example of this and explain it a little bit more?
1: Sure. The differentiating factor in organizations really comes down to results. What outcomes does the organization, or SNF in this case, produce? CMS not only expects to find evidence of compliance during the survey, but they expect it all the time. This is one reason why you see changes made to the Special Focus Facility Program. CMS expects those facilities to produce better results and then maintain or continue to improve upon those results, not backslide. This yo-yo compliance is not something SNF leaders should be okay with. But again, to get to that level where you can sustain a desired state and then move on to improving, you must have a program that implements processes that are designed to generate the result of compliance as well as excellent quality of care.
0: Thank you, Alexis. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today?
1: Yes, I am very excited that this month, APACAN will offer the Survey Preparedness Program. It's a customizable program that will help facility leaders adopt the mindset of ongoing survey compliance and ingrain it into their operations.
0: I'm very excited about the Survey Preparedness Program, too. It's going to be a great program for our listeners. We'll include a link to more details about the program in the podcast description hacken will also release the FTAG library in this month, which is a library of on-demand mini-webinars that break down FTAGs and reviews key areas for non-compliance and actions the facility can take to get back into compliance. Thank you for this great information, Alexis.
1: Thank you for having me, Amy. It was my pleasure.
0: Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC DON Chat Podcast.